Welcome to Best of Show, the Competition Brewing Podcast. This show is dedicated to all things in the world of competitive homebrewing with your hosts, John Black and Andy Scherzinger. We'll provide you with updates on which brewers are taking home medals in the biggest competitions across the country, as well as keeping you up to speed on what competitions are coming up so that you won't miss out on being a part of the next big competition. Click subscribe now so you won't miss out on future episode release dates. And please leave a five-star review for us on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. So welcome back, uh, Andy. Episode five already of this year. Kind of crazy, huh? Five already? Yes. <clears throat> Had some great guests so far. Got a great one today. Yeah, I was stoked. Uh, I've been looking forward to this one for a while. I mean, nothing against the guys that we've had previously, but this one today is a little bit more near and dear to my heart. So uh, I think everyone's going to love it. There's some great conversations, some great little tidbits here and there for entering competitions for making themselves better. It's going to be a good one. So how you been, man? Busy, but doing good. Just starting to fire things up for, you know, some of these competitions coming up, you know, things are getting hot and heavy and, you know, Ronde Brews starting to move along. So uh, definitely keeping us busy. Um, also got a little event going on. We had those tornadoes here a couple of weeks ago in town. And so our club's putting together a, a spent grain uh, dog treat fundraiser. Uh, oh, that's coming awesome. up this weekend, so we're we're baking dog treats this week and and getting those packaged and ready to ready to sell for donations. Very cool. I mean, honestly, man, that's one of the things I love about this hobby. Um, years ago, when you know all the hurricanes and stuff were getting early gnarly in in Houston, uh, the CA like it started out as grassroots, but it seemed like every single day there were twenty to thirty people going and ripping out drywall, helping people clear out their houses and stuff, um, and get back on their feet. And it was like. You know, we started out as a group of homebrewers and horrible events like that have a way of bringing us together with shared experience. I mean, I remember my, my son was there with me and I think he was 13 or 14. And I mean, any kid at that age, like nothing's cool. You're always waiting to leave, that kind of stuff. And uh, we went there to help and we had the conversation headed out to some of the houses. And I was like, you know, it's important that we give back, that we help people who weren't as lucky as we were to not get hit like this. And uh, we were there for like seven or eight hours and he never once complained um, he was super humbled by what was going on, uh, as was I, to see that many people step up and you know give back to the community. It was, it was pretty amazing. Probably would have made more sense to mention that uh, it's uh, supporting the Pasadena Animal Shelter. They got hit really bad. So uh, oh, man. That's, that's essentially why we went dog treats. I love it. I love it. Man. You've been up to anything interesting? Man, so I'm still in this like limbo stage where my brewery isn't done. Uh, talked to my plumber today. I think we're, you know, with a grain of salt, I, I think we're within a week of the plumbing being done and then the electrical will get done and then we can start framing up the the walk-in refrigerator and then I can actually get, you know, brewing again. In the meantime, I'm just like, I'm stir crazy. And I, I've had this itch since I haven't brewed since like December 15th of 2021. So I'm like making meads and ciders in my basement and like going nuts. It's, it's bad, man. You'll get there soon enough. <laughs> I keep telling myself that like every day is one day closer to being able to brew again. What about well, you? Get, you brewed anything oh, good? Uh, you know, I, I brewed a couple weeks ago, brewed a, uh, a British Brown and uh, actually planning out my next brew now, trying to figure out what I'm going to do and kind of strategizing um, how to how to blend a few things to uh, to get multiple beers. Nice. That'll be a fun project. You have to let me know how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. Once I get the kinks worked out, it's something I definitely like to talk about a little more. For sure. So why don't we get started and talk about these uh, upcoming competitions? Yeah. You want to kick it off? Yeah. So um, 
Yeah, I found one up in in Rhode Island. Like to try and find some of these smaller comps and definitely places around the country you might not normally enter. This is the South Shore Brew Off. It's hosted by the South Shore Brew Crew in Rhode Island. It's a 160 entry cap, $9 entries. Two bottle requirement. Two bottles are required for beer, mead, or cider. Entry registrations are accepted now through March 29th. So plenty of time to enter. It's beer, mead, and cider, like I said. Uh, ribbons awarded for first, second, third in each category, plus best of show round as well. Judging is going to take place on April 15th, and there's not an official award ceremony scheduled, but awards are going to be sent out after the judging on the 15th. Awesome. What do you got? Uh, so Cactus Classic in uh, Arizona, put on by the Arizona Society of Homebrewers. Looks like they're going to have 250 as their total cap at a $10 entry fee. Um, when As of the time that we're recording this, they're at about 140 entries. So uh, there's still a little bit of time to get in there. There's beer, mead, and cider in that competition. Uh, entry registration is from February 21st to March 21st. Uh, the awards are on April 15th um, at a park in Tempe, Arizona. And for all those interested, this is one of the Circuit of America's events. So um, definitely going to be highly contested and uh, super competitive. So that'll be a good one to go after. Another one kind of local to me, super excited about eight seconds of froth. I've actually targeted this one in the past. Uh, just never had the opportunity to ship in entries. Now I can drive them up. So uh, Fred Hirsch is, you know, kind of a big name in homebrewing and he actually puts this comp on. Um, it's put on by the High Plains Drafters in Cheyenne. Uh, entry registrations are open now until April 15th. So there's actually a pretty big window here that you could still brew a few beers to get in there. They have a 400 total entry cap, but single entry per subcategory is, is the limit there. Um, an $8 entry fee, so really easy to get into, uh, but it is a three-bottle entry. Beer, mead, and cider, and the awards are going to be at Blacktooth Brewing in Cheyenne on April 29th. Uh, they do ribbons for first, second, and third, as well as best of show. And again, this one's a, a Circuit of America event up in Wyoming. So I'm going to I'm gonna try and make it up for the awards ceremony. I think there's going to be a group of us from the Wise Guys going up. Um, if not, I'll go up there with all my imaginary friends, and we'll have a good time. Cool. Well, I got an actual different type of competition to announce, and this is a part of Lunar Rendezvous, which we'll talk more about in the next episode when that opens up for beer entries. But this is an actual home brewery sticker competition, and we, we're kind of tagging this along. Uh, the Bay Area Masternauts are putting this on, and all you got to do is go to masternauts.com, and you can find out all the information on it. Uh, so there's been some postings out on the uh, social media pages with links as well. Entries are going to be open along with, uh, with, with the beer entries starting March 11th, uh, but this is going to actually be open through May 1st. So you'll mail your stickers into the P.O. box that's listed on the website. Uh, there's a form that you can download from the website as well. Fill that out uh, so that we'll know whose stickers belong to who. Uh, we're going to have actually two different awards. Uh, there's going to be a People's Choice Award, so there will be online voting. The stickers will be scanned in and images posted online so people can go on and vote for their favorites. We'll also put together a professional panel of graphic designers, uh, those types of professionals in that industry. Uh, that will vote for their favorite. Both winners are going to receive a $50 gift card to Bottle Mark, as well as one of each of the stickers submitted to the competition. So if we receive 200 Ooh. stickers, that winner's going to win or get 199 other stickers from all the other brewers that submitted. But it's a you have to submit three stickers when you enter. And the reason being, those two winners are going to get one of those stickers each. And that third sticker, what we're going to do is everyone that enters 
we're going to mail them back one random sticker from another homebrewer. So it's free entry, submit three stickers, and you're guaranteed to get one sticker back randomly. So all it's going to cost you is a stamp. Can't Dude, I freaking love this idea. This is so cool. I think right now is such a cool time to be a homebrewer. We have things like Fiverr to go out there and get somebody to, you know, sketch up something. And then you can go to, you know, one of these printers like a sticker mule or, or what have you and get some really awesome artwork. Um, I I think my collection in the homebrew space is something like 20 or 30 strong already. I love seeing the creativity, how the brewers are naming the brewery, how they're designing the logos and all that kind of stuff. And it's always awesome to rep some other homebrewers from all over the country. So I'm, I'm super excited about this one. I think this is a great idea. Part. Yeah, there's there's still plenty of time uh, to even order your stickers, design everything. So, you know, go on Etsy. You can find sticker yeah. uh, sticker prices, you know, introductory first time orders for like 20 bucks. Uh, so find yourself a deal out there. Uh, use that first time buyer code that you can find out there and get your stickers ordered. That's awesome. Hey, before we jump into the interview, I did want to say, you know, hey, everybody, stick around to the end. We're going to go over some best of show winners. Five award ceremonies have happened since uh, we talked last, which is kind of crazy it's that q1 mania for homebrew so uh we do want to recognize and give some shout outs to some amazing brewers that did some great things so stick around to the end we'll hit those guys yeah i'm, I'm excited to hear those I, I there might be a name or two that might be might be looking forward to hearing a little foreshadowing love it all right we have a very special interview today that i've been excited about for quite a while not just the interview today but also announcing a partnership between the best of show podcast and the Master Homebrew Program. Uh, our promise and our commitment is once a quarter, we're going to have a session like this with one of the board members from the MHP to come on and talk to the state of things in competitive homebrewing, uh, what the program's doing, how you can be involved, and how you can be a better competitive brewer. So our guest today, you probably know him as the giant floating head with all of the charts in front of him, uh, the one, the only, Matthew Harold. Uh, thanks for joining us today, man. Hey, no problem. Uh, glad to finally make the show. Been a big fan for for a few weeks now, so <laughs> just a few weeks, huh? Just a few weeks. At least no, been been following John since John was running it before, and now now you both are, and seems to be going a little bit more regularly. And uh, I always catch every episode, so good job. No, we appreciate it. Always appreciate your support. So I guess we'll start with the most important question: What's everybody drinking tonight? Well, I'll start. I've got uh, my latest iteration of American Strong Ale. I've told Andy this. I've been kind of obsessed with this. I brewed it four times last year, um, trying to replicate something like Tarnation, if you've had the new San Arnold uh, Tarnation beer, or, uh, you know, uh, Arrogant Bastard. Those two, you know, really somewhere in the middle between those two is what this is. I think it's a 40 beer. Judges think it's a 20 beer, so I don't Oof. know if my taste buds are not calibrated right, but uh, <laughs> evidently I've got to still tweak it. So I know what happened the last batch, but this one's this one's drinking pretty good right now. How about you guys? What are you drinking? Had a busy day at work, so I didn't have time to really get anything special. So I just went and grabbed a commercial Bad Astronaut Brewing. Okay, uh, yeah. They're, they're Hellas Lager cruising through. Uh, it's pretty solid. I was just there this weekend. It's a great place. Big, big space. Really cool brewery. It's weird to have already been gone from Houston so long that there's new breweries opening up that I missed and haven't even heard about. And so I'm pretty jealous of that. Staple in our house, I keep a lot of Odell stuff on hand. Typically, if I don't want to think about it, I go like 90 shilling, which I know, you know, the Scottish Hill is Matt's absolute favorite style next to Shrek's beer. <laughs> um, you got today it. I'm just doing Lagerado, which is their like American light. Awesome. So nothing too serious. Since I winter, still can't. Winter beer, homebrew. right? Exactly. It's a winter beer. Yeah, yeah. It's going to get down to like negative 16 on Wednesday, I think. So 
just gearing <laughs> up. It's just weird, man. I mean, I guess we know why you're here. Let, let's talk MHP. Master Homebrew Program has been around for a couple years, but I'm not entirely sure everybody knows the how and why it got started. You want to spend a couple of minutes just telling us the origin a little bit? Yeah. So you, you guys probably know I do a, a YouTube uh, vlog on recipe development. And part of what I do is I research old recipes and, and look at winning recipes from competitions of, you know, decades past, you know, four or five decades even. And in my research of doing this, I've been doing this since 2006. Uh, in my research of doing this, I'd look back, and I'm a competitive brewer. You guys are competitive brewers. So I'd look back 10 years. I'm like, who the heck are these people? And what happened to them? You know, they they stopped competing. And it, it got me thinking and looking just in my short tenure of competing, how much turnover there was in the competitive, you know, homebrewing niche niche of, uh, of what we do, really. And, and I thought, well, what's a way that we can keep people motivated? and keep them interested in competing. I could see if if you started entering everything and everything comes back at 40 and you just don't feel like you have anything left to accomplish in the hobby, competitive brewing hobby, um, that you just stop, right? You know, you've 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 done it all. So um in in my research I also found uh there's a group in uh, North Dakota, the Prairie Homebrew Companions that have what's called the Award of Brewing, where within their club they they bring a sample to a club meeting, some BJCP judges judge it. And if you get above a minimum score, you qualify that beer as uh, uh, meeting the minimum requirements to advance, right? However, it's all internal in their club. Um, also, there's a, what is it, rank of beer, award of beer in the Czech Republic that is very similar to what we do. Very, very similar in that uh, it's all in between the the uh, Czech Homebrewing Guild, where they judge their own products and you get awarded rank. And I thought, well, maybe we could do something like that on a global scale. And I really started thinking how to do, how would you do that, right? Would it be medals? Would it be scores? How would you normalize it across different competitions of different sizes and different quality judging, right? And it came down to, you know, kind of getting ahead of myself, but, you know, we decided to normalize on on score sheet scores because that's something that's universal, um, the, the zero to 50 scale is applied across all competitions that are BJCP sanctioned. And, you know, this way you could, you could help people to achieve a mastery across many different genres of beer, meat, and cider, uh, and, and, and try to attain a goal, uh, that stretches them beyond their current level. So, um, that was the intent of the initial intent of MHP and why we decided to trial it within our club. I think back in 2019. Yeah, I remember when it first came up and we were talking about it. And to me, for whatever reason, last several years, like legacy has been on the forefront of my mind. Like, what are we doing to make anything better than how we found it? Whether that's our job, whether that's even something like our hobby. I mean, but like at the end of the day, what's there left behind after a brewer's done? Um, so many homebrewers strive to to go pro, but there are a lot of us that don't want to or don't really have the aspiration to do it and yeah. competition brewing kind of is what we what we love and what we enjoy so to me that idea of immortalizing some of those accomplishments and uh, some of the ranking system and special awards that the mhp does i think do that to a degree yeah um, yeah you know i've talked about this a lot right um you take somebody like jamil you know jamil's well known but somebody that wins the the ninkasi or does you know can, has a as a historic 
tenure of competing at a really high level. Mark Shoppy, for example, yeah. he was at he was at HomebrewCon last time. Nobody knew who Mark Shoppy was. I did because he's from Texas, but that guy's won in Kasi twice, right? Um, there's really nothing outside of the instantaneous gratification you get at a, comp- a single competition. Before MHP, there was nothing that told you, hey, look at what this guy has done. Look at his legacy, like you said, in brewing. And MHP really establishes that. It's not just a ranking system. It's look at what Andy Scherzinger or John Black has accomplished in, in brewing and, and where they are and where they're going to go. And I think that's fantastic. We have the BJCP judge ranking system. We rank how good people can taste, but we we never really rank how good people can brew. And I think that's just as, if not more important than your sensory ability to taste and describe what you're tasting. How well can you brew? So that's another element of you know why we thought this was an important program to bring out to not just our club, but but nationally. Well, I know you said yeah. it a few minutes ago, but one of the things I really like is is how it kind of motivates people to expand their repertoire of styles. I mean, just having all these different options, you know, even, you know, doing it by mm-hmm. subcategory. You know, I yeah. look at mine and I'm like, I, I'd kind of pigeonholed into there were some that I, I was repeating score sheets. And I'm like, well, I can't send that one in because I've already got that that score. So it kind of made me think about, well, what else do I need? And, you know, with all those, the specialty categories, you know, the Cider Master, um, uh, Cast Crusader, those types of things. Uh, and even the jack of all trades, you know, hey, can I get uh, a minimum adequate score in every category? I mean, there's yeah. there's so many cool things about the program that you can you can do to, you know, keep keep going instead of just like, oh, I got another medal at Limbo. I got another medal at, at Drunk Monk. You know, it's it, it's something to help keep you going and, and trying different things. Yeah, it kind another of feeds into a drunk monk, huh? Another village. <laughs> so, so another another goal, and these we have like t- uh, four founding principles, and I've touched upon three of them. But one of the, the the third goal that we had was, you know, be be something that where at a homebrew event or a homebrew club meeting, you could instantly know that that person with that badge knows what they're talking about, and so you want to have some some real instant recognition of. A person that's at a grandmaster level can speak to anything, not just, you know, uh, English loggers or IPAs. They can also talk about, you know, uh, ciders, meads and sours and mixed fermentations with authority. So mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why we some of the very high ranks, you have to do well across the entire gamut of brewing. Um, yeah. And uh, I really think that's a key fundamental. I know it's 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 contentious within our board. We have people. Uh, that that don't see eye to eye there, but I think it's important that yeah, I think it's important that 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 rank that you have when you're a grandmaster, you should be able to speak to everything, right? And people should be able to look to you and ask you any question about any style, and know that you're going to give them a great answer. And that's another thing that that um, I think is very valuable in having that badge is that you can speak with authority to people. Um, and we yeah. hope it gets more prolific as it gets more prolific and people understand the ranking system and what it takes to achieve that. They're going to look at Andy Scherzinger as a grandmaster five and say, Hey, that guy can talk to you about meats, about ciders, about anything sours. He knows it all. And I think that's important. It's, it's just, it just gives us another avenue of someone to talk to you about, you know, recipe development and beer making and just becoming a better brewer uh, like we would with a, you know, someone like Gordon Strong or somebody that's a grandmaster beer judge. 
Sorry, Andy. I think Matt just threw down the gauntlet for some people to throw some real challenging questions your way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love it though. Like it, I, my next question to you is going to be like, what's the, what's the coolest conversation that's been started because of MHP, but I mean, I'll, I'll lead off. I went to blue bonnet last year and I was kind of expecting it to be that this is going to sound so sappy. Like I was expecting it to be like a super emotional thing for me moving from Texas, like weeks, a couple weeks after this event, saying goodbye to a lot of my friends. Um, and a lot of those people not knowing legitimately if I, if or when I was going to see him again. And I got pulled aside by like seven or eight different people asking about MHP. And they're mm-hmm. like, hey, I saw that you were um, at the time, I think I was GM4. And they're like, dude, that, that's awesome. You know, what what styles are you going with? What are you doing differently here and here? How are you strategizing? That's and awesome. it's led to some super fun conversations. And like in the CIA, for several years, we were trying to find ways to build development internally so like at a club meeting you'd have a a new brewer or a new herb brewer show up with something that they just made and they try and walk around and get feedback and without knowing who any of these people are you're just kind of walking up you're like hey try my beer and you got to hope that somebody is going to be good and critical but in a in a constructive way and we tried stuff like the beer ninja stickers that if somebody was wearing one of those they were fair game for you to go and approach them but i think stuff like this man People seeing at competitions or at club meetings, this guy knows how to compete. I think there's a couple of conversations that I've seen come out of that. One of them is specific to a beer. How do I make this one beer better um, to get it from a 38 to a 43? Uh, But the other one is like, how do I compete more effectively? How do Mm -hmm. I build my arsenal? Which aren't necessarily conversations that I had outside of like three or four people um, for several years. But uh, yeah, so long-winded thing. But like for you, have you had one of those really cool in the wild conversations. Oh, you're, I know you probably get me and Bruce more often, but conversations about the program or um, things that have spun up because of that. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't been to the only competition I've been to since COVID is uh lunar. <laughs> I went to one of the lunars afterwards and it, it was fun seeing, you know, BAM is a big proponent of MHP as well as CIA. So not a lot of people that were, weren't familiar with what MHP was. And it's fun to see everybody with their badge, but uh you know, people do recognize you can, when you walk in with a grandmaster. I remember seeing people go, "Whoa, oh, grandmaster! Wow, that's that takes a lot, right?" So people are starting to understand the the effort and time that it and the skill it takes to to rank up here. It's not easy. It's a, it's a it's a difficult program, and it's meant to be difficult. But uh, yeah, it is fun to to walk into these competitions and and see you know like minded people that are getting it and uh, enjoying the program. And enjoying the challenge of of ranking up. What about you, John? Have you uh, had any experiences like that? Uh, nothing outside of just kind of promoting it. You know, we've done a lot within our club. You know, at different meetings and, and talking about it. And a lot of people know what it is just because we have been promoting it. But you know, we'll get a new member or, or you know visitor that all of a sudden has a lot of questions about it because it it sounds intriguing. Like, hey, what is this thing? How do yeah. how do I get ranked? How do I uh, how do I be a part of this? So awesome. Uh, so yeah, it, it's 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 a cool program, and it's nice to see you know what kind of conversations it does start. So with that in mind, like what's what's one of the most surprising things that you've seen like from a feedback perspective about the program? Probably the most surprising was to see Julie Hers join MHP. Um, we and she wanted to have a conversation with me one on one, which happened a few weeks ago, and immediately she joined MHP and uh, she's a big supporter of, of what we're doing, um, challenging us to try to get an HC on our circuit. <laughs> and uh, it was really exciting to see you know AHA leadership embrace what we're doing. 
uh, Matt Bowling as well. Um, Matt used to be on the leadership of AHA, and now I think he's working with BSG Handcraft. And they're our title sponsor uh, every year. I don't know, you know, we'll get into the circuit in a second, but the circuit winner is, is sponsored by them. And if you win the circuit of America, you win a grandfather. I mean, that's a thousand dollar prize. Right. And, and when I sat down with Matt at Homebrewcon last year, you know, his passion for what we were doing and support was just, we didn't realize the breadth and uh, that, that we were reaching, you know, these people that weren't really as vocal as, you know, you and I, Andy are about it, but really think what we're doing is, is fantastic promoting the hobby getting people to brew. I can see how, you know, if you're a vendor out there, we're, we're promoting brewers to make beer that they just don't consume, but they ship out to competition. So they're going to brew more. Why yeah. would you want to be supporting MHP and sponsoring that? Cause it, it, it entices people to brew more. Um, and Matt got it. Matt got it instantaneously. And uh, it was, it's fun to see that. That was probably the most fun reaction at NHC to see how excited he was about it. I mean, I don't know. for me, anytime that I have the initial conversation with somebody that we lay out kind of the structure of it, you know, there's ranks based on score sheets, but then there's these special awards that you can get. If you get, you know, 10 German beers at 43 or mm -hmm. higher, then you qualify for uh, the Braumeister and, you know, kind of going through some of those things, everyone's eyes light up and they're like, dude, yes, I yeah. get how do, how do yeah. I, how do I get involved? It's I've, I've well, yet to find a detractor. Yeah. We, and we started the, we wanted to appeal to multiple audiences and there's a lot of people that, you know, that will stick to, let's say farmhouse or wild sour ales. Well, we have Prince of Pucker, right. Or we have Fanon Brasseur for Belgian styles. If that's what you want to do and that's all you want to do, and you don't want to rank up. Well, you can become the best Belgian brewer there is right. And get a Belgian brewer badge. It's not easy. It's very, very difficult. Um, we have uh, cider masters. We have master of meat, Right. And there's people that just focus on that and that's all that they want. So we appeal to um, many different genres of even competitive brewing and, and mead making. And, you know, you can even stay at, we have Matthew Mead in the group. I think he's apprentice now. He's just he's starting to make beer. I think we, MHP has kind of brought him out of his shell. He's a mead guy with the name Matthew Mead, right? I mean, he has to. He's be, a, right? Yeah, he's a, he's a master of mead, obviously, right? He, he achieved that very quickly when he joined because he had the score sheets to do it. Um, but you know, he may, he may have not wanted to come out and try to do everything else and, and then fine, you know, identified being able to put a badge on that says I'm a master of mead. That means he's got seven different subcategories of mead with 43 or higher, not an easy accomplishment. That, yeah. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and you know, he's, he, he, fortunately he's, he's starting to expand his, uh, breadth uh, of, uh, of entries as well, brewing more beer. So, um, I don't know where I was going with that, but we, we, we reach, we reach a, a, a bunch of different, we tried to reach not just people that wanted to compete, but people that might be focused on a specific style or country or, um, you know, IPAs or something like that. So there's something really for everyone uh, who, who likes to, as long as you compete, you know, we're, yeah. the, the common theme is we're competitive brewers. And, and I think that that's fundamental for the people that we're looking for within this program. That, yeah. that are enticed to join this program. Yeah, I know there's different levels of competitiveness as well. There's some of the, you know, the casual competitors that enjoy it and submit a beer and I brewed something, let me get feedback and submit it. And then there's the people like Andy and I that I know have a, a very competitive side to us that, hey, you throw in some other element like like MHP, hey, you can rank up, you can do this. It's just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, of course I want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, dude, I'm I'm so bad at half measures. That that's kind of been my phrase the last year or so. Um, anytime that I get an interest in something, I'm you know a dog with a bone about it, and I just get hyper obsessed with whatever it is. And I I don't know if, about you guys, but I've started to see a big trend, especially coming out of COVID, with competitions putting individual entry caps on there. And what I've noticed, especially in the context of a circuit, is it's kind of stifled my creativity. Um, if I'm competing in a circuit, what I mean by that is I need to score points, period. That means I need to only enter beers that I know can can score and can medal. Um, anything else yeah. that I want to go after just kind of has to take a back burner because the the more important case in those is is points. Uh, but what I've noticed is MHP is it's made me want to look for other competitions to go after. A lot of the work that went into the COA the circuit of America started out kind of as a joking bet between you and me and kind of evolved <laughs> into this monster thing that it is now. But we started finding all these amazing competitions across the country. Yeah. I was like, well, they're not part of a circuit. I could legitimately try new stuff there. I can go after different categories. I can try and win some amazing uh, medals at these, you know, really prestigious competitions. So, I mean, I, I think it's awesome that the MHP is, is multifaceted, I guess is what I'm getting at. On the one side, it's promoting the ranking system and getting people outside of their comfort zone. On the other side, there's also this competition level of ranking where people can submit a survey response to a competition that they have entered. And I'm, I'm curious, you and I talk about this a lot offline, but like, what kind of went into to making that? What is it? What, what positive element does that bring to, to the homebrewing community? Sure. It, um, you know, it feeds into the retention part of competitive brewing which I talked about very early on. And you know, if you're a new competitor and you're going to submit your first beer and you submit it to a competition and the feedback's horrible and you know it's a good beer, you're much less likely to enter another competition. So we wanted to provide, you know, we look at ourselves as like the homebrewers union. We represent the home, competitive homebrewer uh, when it comes to, you know, supporting them and helping them to, to decide what to enter and where to enter. Um, if we can provide a new brewer that's looking for their first competition to enter and say, Hey, look, this one's rated excellent. This competition's rated excellent on judging feedback. And that's what they want is best judging feedback. You know, they're, they're likely to, to enter again, if they get a good, you know, they have a good response or, or a good, uh, it's a word I'm looking for a good reaction to, you know, the, the competition judging or scoring or uh, awards or whatever they're looking for. So the, the whole goal of that was, uh, to keep retentive or keep keep people uh, wanting to compete by having a good experience the first time they enter a competition. It also provides feedback to the competition, right? So we've got competitions that that you know they've reached out to me and said, "Hey, we're really surprised that we're we're getting this result here on let's say communication. What can we do better?" And you know, I and we're we're seeing that it, you know in action with some of these competitions. You look at Blue Bonnet today and how they're ranked very high. Top two, I believe. And I think yeah. one of the areas they were asked to to do better on was communication. Have you seen how well Blue Bonnet is communicating this year? They daily like it, or weekly. Uh, it, is, it is unbelievable. <clears throat> so continuous improvement is what we're all about. We want brewers to pick the right competitions to enter when they're starting so that they get what they want out of it. Best feedback, best awards, quick uh, responsiveness, quickness of, of results, whatever it is there's a facet within that ranking system that you can key on that is important to you to pick which competition you want to enter. Uh, so I think that's just another, another value that we provide 
And it's not us that are creating these rankings. These rankings are coming from the competitors. They're all anonymous. So you can go on the MHP website. There's a pull down for every competition that's in the U.S. And you can provide a rating. Um, and I think it's just another another way where we're helping the competitive brewer uh, become better and become, make the hobby more fun for competing. Well, I know I've uh, I've ranked a few of those myself, and I've entered a few that I wasn't real happy with how the competition went. And so I was kind of curious, what kind of feedback have you gotten for the ones that are maybe on the the poor side of the ledger there? You, know, you have anybody that's ever unhappy about their ranking, even though MHP isn't doing the ranking? It's, it's individual people that competed that are doing it. But And I think it's fair to rank competitions, right? They um, This is something we're spending money on as competitors to get good feedback or good awards and timeliness of the responses. I know it's all volunteer. Every competition is all volunteer. But if you have a choice of where to spend your money, you know, $15 an entry at Blue Bonnet. I'm going to spend it somewhere where I know I'm going to get quality judging. I know I'm going to get, if I win, it's going to be a great win because I'm against the best. You know, I want to seek that out. And something like this that that helps me decide where to enter, I think is very valuable to me as a competitor. To answer your original question, John, have not seen a competition that had, you know, a poor rating uh, or below average rating come to me and ask, you know, what's going on here. It's mainly been competitions that are, average or higher that are looking to get feedback around individual scores, like around, you know, competitiveness or comprehensiveness or awards or timeliness or registration. You know, we have all these, these different um, facets to a competition that, that you can rate. Um, it's been more around trying to tweak the good ones, trying to tweak, tweak. And that yeah. kind of makes sense, right? If right. you're interested in making your competition better, you're always looking at that. Yeah. If you're running that- one of those poorly run competitions that, that, people are not happy with you're probably not like hey how can we make this better yeah, you know exactly. they're, they're just they're just trying to put it on make their cash get the event over with yeah and, and you want to avoid and, those you know? and honestly like that feedback is valuable to the competitor too like it, you can tell just looking through some of the scores hey that one kind of looks like they're mailing this one in a little bit maybe i'm gonna like matt said i'm gonna vote with my wallet and go a different direction but i mean I, I, to me one of the biggest things that mhp kind of sets out to do is to get everybody at the table. Uh, we have yeah. MHP. It's like the the players association, if you will, if you want to think about it in professional sports. Uh, but the goal is like, let's get the players, let's get the judges, let's get the organizers all communicating so that we all have a better experience in the competition. The coordinators can run a better comp. The judges feel appreciated and know what we're really looking for. And the competitors are having more fun because they're entering more competitive, uh, more challenging, more fun comps. I think there's not a lose there. Like everybody wins. Yeah. You said it, it, it it builds a community. Um, And that's our fifth uh, goal that we have in our bylaws is we wanted to build this community of competitive brewers Um, within our club. Andy, you know, we had this group of competitive brewers that were really close and, you know, always talking about strategy and always discussing how to enter competitions and where we would avoid clashing with, with each other. And, you know, as people started moving on, that kind of left. And and one of the goals was how can we br- build that community back together of like-minded competitive brewers that could bounce ideas off of each other, congratulate each other as we win, really make it more competitive. You know, um, these comp- these COA comps are insanely competitive. Very, I, I just entered KCBM with, six great beers, one beer that's won two best of shows and walked away with no medals. 
you know, talk about the competition there and what what the impact yeah. of being on the circuit to a competition is. It's fantastic. The head judges from all these competitions, they're like, the quality has never been this good, right? That's the feedback we're always getting. They fill up in seconds, right? Um, some competitions want that, some don't. But the ones that do, that want to improve and want to grow and want to build this great event, I think that they're they're more likely to be receptive to being on the circuit and being a part of this, you know, awesome, awesome competitive program. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I had a conversation, I can't remember who it was with, but they brought up, you know, the different reasons why people enter competitions. And yeah. the first and easiest low-hanging fruit that always gets brought up is the feedback thing. And I kind of challenged that notion a little bit. I get it in competitions. It is important. But I almost wonder how much of that should get pushed to a local club. If you're legitimately just looking for tweak a recipe kind of feedback, then your local club should provide that faster, more regular yeah. Uh, yeah. than a competition where you got to spend the money. Mm. Um, once you go into a competition, you legitimately should think, hey, if I'm putting 10 beers into this competition, all 10 of them have a shot at winning something. If you're just looking for the feedback, there might be a free way to do that, that you can iterate your recipe faster. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. I, I do think that there's a part of we have noticed as we've started examining uh, entering globally, not globally, but uh, nationally, definite preferences in regions for, for different things. Beer judging should be standard, but it's not. Particularly on the scores you get, you know, if you yeah. if you enter in, in Texas, you your likelihood of getting a forty or higher is very high. If you enter in Minnesota or you know Midwest, they rarely give out forties. You know, it's just it's just a different mindset, and the judging's much more difficult, and they have different different biases. And it's interesting to see that when you you know getting the score sheets back and seeing the different comments from different regions really could help you to say. Well, how do I make it a more rounded product or how do I make it so that I appeal here versus here? Cause this is where I want to win. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It's, that, that's an interesting part around, you know, where I think there is some value in competitions, providing feedback. If you're, if you're interested in regional styles or preferences. Well, I know you mentioned that and that's an interesting topic is how's the MHP impacting those scores? Because, you know, with the, the tiers for the ranking, you know, you, you have to have a 38 to get certain ranks and a 43 to get certain ranks. How do you think that's going to impact the actual judges at some of these competitions if they're more familiar with MHP? Because they can look at a beer and say, hey, would this beer qualify someone to rank up to this level of rank? Uh, <laughs> I'll so tell you. If you're sitting at a 42, do you want to bump that one to a 43 because you feel like it really, really should help someone get to so, that rank? So probably best to explain a little bit the, the point system, right? So there are tiered requirements. So I think uh, to achieve novice and apprentice, you have to have at least, at least a 21 score. The next two levels, uh, proficient and recognized, it's a 30 uh, uh, distinguished and master, it's a 38, and then everything above there is a 43. And if you're smart, you realize that doesn't align to anything within, well, some of those don't align to anything within BJCP. So why did we pick those? Well, Andy and I had enough experience in competing hundreds and hundreds of beers to say, okay, well, let's, let's see what the top fifth percentile score was. And we'll say that's a 43, right? Uh, or that that ended up being a 43, right? So that's that's what we said was the highest level. And I think BJCP is 45 is 45 and above is is world class. 
But what we saw in the actual results was if you get a 43 or higher, you were in the top fifth percentile for that style. And that's how we came up kind of with those numbers. But what we are finding, and you know, as especially if you're a part of this program, you know, when I judge a competition, I start thinking, is this a grandmaster level beer? Do it does this beer deserve being a grandmaster? And and that will be a deciding factor if I'm on that bubble between 44 to 42 of whether or not I'm going to give it to him or not, you know, because I don't know who I'm judging. But if if I think it is a grandmaster level beer, I'll give him the 43 or 44. Um, same with the 38 threshold for master. So it, it is starting to factor in. I hope it wouldn't because we established these numbers based upon statistics, really. And if we start thinking like that, we may skew those statistics. So we may have to revisit what those numbers are in the future. But it does factor in. You can't help yourself as a, as a judge and as an MHP proponent. You can't help yourself to think, okay, is, is this right here going to be a grandmaster product or not? It, it's just natural. It's human nature to do that. And I, I've heard judges already bring that up. Probably three or four different competitions have, have told me when they're on that bubble, they have that thought of, you know, this probably could go either way. But what I call this like world class or grandmaster kind of, to your point, level of a beer and maybe that sways them one point here or there. <clears throat> yeah, my, my fear is, you know, they're all, we've got a bunch of great people. And they'll go, you know, I was going to give them a 41, but I know they're, this This could be an MHP person. Let me give them a 43, just so that they'll bump up. And it really starts biasing this stuff. If that starts happening, yeah. we'll start seeing it because we see the score sheets. And we'll have to do something about it, right? But so far, haven't seen a big deviation to what we originally set out. And then there's a nefarious part of it where it says, you know, I want to be the only grandmaster out there. So you get a 42. (laughs) I don't think that we have a lot of people like that, but uh, we could, you know. Yeah. I've I've thought about that a few times. Like (laughs) there's like a curmudgeon out there. That's like, man, screw those young kids and those dang MHP guys. I'm not giving anybody a 43 anymore. You you know, what's funny is we, um, there are a couple competitions. I won't name names, but we talk about them. And there was a recent one that just happened that, they're known for giving out high scores, and we know what those competitions are. And so we'll enter those to, to try to get to help ourselves rank up. So there is that element to it as well. So we, you and I were having a conversation the other day, and I feel like you dodged my question, so I'm going to put you on the spot here. Okay. Um, hypothetically, you're in a, in a competition that's not, you know, Blue Bonnet, Drunk Monk, one of those super highly prestigious ones, uh, but you still really care about it. Would you rather get a 42 and a gold medal or a 44 and a silver? Um, I probably would rather have a 44 and a silver. You know, at this point I've got, I've got enough medals to line the walls. I want to rank up an MHP. <laughs> you know, I, and I guess I, I, I found myself in the same place. It's a weird, <laughs> weird thought. That is very weird. I never really thought about that, but yeah, <laughs> if I had a choice between the two, yeah, I want to rank up. So definitely 44 and a silver. How about you, John? The- you feel the same or? It depends on the circumstances. If it's a <laughs> if it's a circuit and you know our um, yes our clubs points are on the line, I'll take the gold and help the club out. But uh, but yeah, if ranking it, up is, is something that is important. So if it's NHC, I want the gold. You know, yeah, absolutely. Or, or blue bonnet, I want the Stein, right? But <clears throat> but for a normal competition, I would I would probably rather have the I would most definitely rather have the the, the master grandmaster level score sheet than uh, you know the gold medal. Yeah, so I, two answers. One, the obvious answer is I want the 44 and the gold medal. <laughs> <laughs> but the other one is 
like I don't want the second place if it's to one of you guys because then I'm gonna have to hear about it. Yeah, no, that's a good question. It makes, I mean, it shows you how this program, and and it's good. It's a good thing, right? Because then then you're driving towards goals that aren't short lived. You're, you're driving towards goals that that keep you as a lifetime competitor and keep you in the hobby. And that's that's what we're trying to do, right? I mean, you say that keeping people in the hobby. We talk a lot about like the state of homebrewing in general. What, if any, impact on attracting new brewers do you think MHP can bring? You know, it's not it's not really an entry level type thing, unless you are just a super competitive person. We do have people that, by nature, they're just very competitive and they get into the hobby and they find this and they jump right in it. But that's not your average homebrewer. Your average homebrewer is a person that loves beer and wants to take up a new hobby, right? So it, I, I don't know what the impact is, has been towards causing more people to brew. And it, to, to be honest, it it really isn't tailored to try to encourage that as much as keeping people after it, you know, and recognizing maybe maybe for for the, the element of being able to have masters in the field that you can recognize as a knowledgeable person about brewing that's a way we can encourage new brewers, but it's, this is not an easy hobby. This is yeah. not something you can just walk into and start, you know, getting golds unless you're really, really talented. And, you know, Andy Scherzinger, I mean, uh, <laughs> you're not going to do it, you know, but uh, it, 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 I read something recently and I, I liken, you know, what we've done on the circuit of America and what we're doing with MHP with to the barbecue circuit. And I was reading an article about how to get started in the barbecue competitive barbecue world and it's insane. They're like, you're not going to walk in and be successful. You're just not, you're not without practice and not without, uh, expect to take it to take a long time to start competing at that level. And I wouldn't yeah. let that discourage you. I mean, it's a challenge, right? And it's a great challenge. It, it, there's nothing like going in and beating somebody that you know has won the last four competitions with an Imperial Stout with your Imperial Stout, right? 100%. Um, or what, it's, it's so gratifying. To, to know that you've you've done it, you've achieved something and don't let it stop you from competing, but it's don't expect to start competing and winning. Uh, I, I just wouldn't have, walk into that mindset because you're going to fail along the way. I've, I've failed more than I've succeeded. And I think all of us have, right? Yeah. And it's discouraging and you want to quit. You want to not do it anymore, but you, you just got to learn from it. And like I always say, I'm, I'm never married to a beer. You know, I may, I may like a beer that I just made and I may think it's, so fantastic, but if somebody dogs it, I'm not married to it. I, I need to learn. You know, don't take it personally. I need to learn and move on and become a better brewer, um, and and make better beer. <laughs> and and if you think of it like that, you're going to get better, and you're going to start comp- competing better, and you're going to start winning medals. It's just uh, you know, there's a guy I won't name his name, but there's a guy in your club, John, that I just love to see win. I just love to see him progress and. I'm in that position because I see the score sheets as they come in and I see somebody, you know, really go from making 20 beers to 30 beers to start to hit the forties. And I'm like, wow, you know, this guy, look at what this has done for this guy. You know, I don't know if you'd ever been there, if you'd never joined MHP and had that drive, but it's, it's really fun to watch and see somebody progress. And then you've got a new competitor. You're not winning as much either. So now you've got to up your game. It's fun. I really enjoy it. I really enjoy the community that we created. I enjoy it that we push each other to become better brewers and, you know, we're continuously improving and what, what more could you ask for? You know? Yeah. I kind of feel like it's 
this whole MHP thing's almost become a little bit of a fraternity of sorts. And, you know, we may be different chapters spread around, but, uh, you know, once you start talking about it and everybody's got, got pride in what they're doing and brewing, they actually like to root for each other too. You know, if I don't have a dog in the fight in some competition, you know, I like to see some of the people I've interacted with through MHP win and uh, do well. Dude, 100%. Like, I, I always root for my friends in competitions, but it's even different now in one of the 87,000 group chats it feels like I'm in. Uh, <laughs> awards will be getting announced, and someone's like, oh, sweet, I got a 38. That ranks me up to master. Like, how yeah. excited they get is contagious. And I see their name come up on the uh, on the announcement, and I'm, like, ecstatic for them and what they're doing. And in turn, it makes me want to get out there and, um, and brew better and brew more. I'm super stoked. Uh, so Nelson Crowley is the guy who wrote all of Reggie Beer and has done so much else. MHP actually is working with him to be able to put rankings into Reggie. So yeah, whether a you're a, a judge going in there, now your MHP rank can show up. Uh, when the awards, if you generate them straight out of Reggie Beer, will actually pop up and be like, hey, Matt Harold, who I think you're a GM4 now. Yeah. Um, Matt Harold, GM4, silver, John Black, yeah. master, gold. Like th- it brings a different element of competition to that. Um, that I think is just, I think it's awesome. And Nelson's so a big, true. a big proponent of the program. You know, he's he kind of had his own master program. He wanted to, he wanted to medal in every style. I think that was his goal. He challenges us, you know, and we are well integrated with Reggie Beer right now. You can just full on export all of your competition data straight to us. It makes it very easy for us and you to get your to start off uh, with your initial rank. Um, and Nelson's been a big supporter, and and we appreciate all the help he's. He's done as a, I think he's GM four as well. Um, so he's he's done really well within the program. Um, but yeah, we're real, well integrated with Reggie Beer, and we're going to try to do more with BCOEM. Although it's not as easy because they're, you know, individual instances of that program. But me and Jeff have talked about it a bit. Um, but it would be good to have an export feature from competitions if, you know, they'd have to opt in, right? Um, and yeah, maybe let sure. maybe let individuals opt in to sending their scores immediately to mhp but it is something we've discussed we just haven't made it a priority he's got he just came out with the 2.5 version of his software so he's working through the bugs there but i think eventually we'd like to be more integrated with that software as well i mean that, that kind of can't be overstated uh, when you're first onboarding a person into mhp like there's a ton of legwork that you and mike rensing um, are putting into building out these dashboards and, and doing all of those things but there's a big lift on the competitor too. If you've been brewing for a long time, like, do you have all your score sheets? Are they digital? Do you need to scan them and email them in individually? Or if you're in Reggie, just click export and move on. Um, that's a huge time saver for everybody involved. It's 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 awesome. Yeah, I know a lot of Colorado and Florida competitions use Reggie Beer, and if I were a competitive brewer in those states, and you're listening. You probably have a ton of score sheets that you could rank immediately up very highly within MHP because of our integration with that system. And, and, and one detractor is, you know, some people aren't as diligent about keeping their score sheets. Uh, that's fine. Um, we will wait until if you're still looking for, you know, tracking down the last score sheet before you want your, your ranking published. We'll, we'll honor that. So don't let that stop you from joining. Um, we just want you to participate and be a part of the program and, think it's a fun way for competitors to to get to know each other like you said Andy, it makes the it makes the homebrewing world smaller 
You know, you see yeah. these names on all these competitions. You don't know who they are, but now we do. You know, I think we had one competition in the circuit. Can't remember which one. I'm going to struggle. 50% of the medals were MHP winners. 50%. That's fantastic, wow. right? Uh, it just makes it smaller and it makes it more competitive. So, I say, yeah. what's the ball, ballpark number of members right now? Uh, we're right at 300. We we went from 20 to 300 in a year. So it's it it what really started that was, you know, we were in 2020, it was very slow, but what really kicked it off was we we said this bet that Andy and I had where let's meddle in every state. I said, "Well, let's make it a circuit, right? Let's let's create our own circuit, take the results and find out, you know, who's the best." And we started this Circuit of America. Nobody knew what it was just to see if we could it could recruit people or bring attention to our website, right? And I started messaging these people blindly on Facebook going, hey, you're second in the circuit right now. You should go after it. And boy, it I mean, it was instantaneous. People started joining and um, it's been that way ever since. It's on a, on a pretty linear trajectory. We're getting about, I'd say two a week, two or three a week. So, and after big competitions, we'll get five, right? So people are, get more familiar with what we're doing. And and that's our that's our growth rate right now. So, what was your original question, John? Sorry. Oh, I was just asking about the ballpark number of members these days. Oh yeah, because uh, so I know it's, I've seen it it grow tremendously. And I remember when I first saw some things about it, I actually thought it was just a, a club competition, and you had to be a member of CIA to be a part of it. So I was kind of blew it off well, until where, it really started st- to pick up. We started there, right? One first year, CIA sponsored it. They paid for the badges. And recept it was right when COVID was starting, so we didn't get a lot of a lot of good reception. Com- competitions were shutting down, so yeah. nobody was ranking up, and we wanted to provide a spark for it to really take off. And that that second year when we started COA, really it just took off. Um, and we're now organized. We're a nonprofit, and we've got a board of directors and our own bank account now, so we can start doing fun things like merchandise, merchandise and all sorts of stuff. So it's fun. It's, it's a fun uh, part of the hobby. It takes up way too much of the toilet paper. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Space balls. (laughs) Love it. Well, I mean, let's talk about that for a minute. How there are three types of membership, right? Yes. So we have, yeah, like Andy said, three tiers. First of all, membership in MHP can be completely free. If you want to have a dashboard and you want to update it, Whenever you get new score sheets and you want to be on the website with your rank, you can do that completely free. Um, if you want badges, you have two options. You can join as an individual member or you can get your club to sign up. Um, right now, the prices are $25 for an individual and $125 for a club. The difference there is you only get two shipments a year if you're in a club and it goes to a single person. Our biggest cost right now is shipping. So... Uh, being in a club and being able to ship a bulk package to a club takes away a big chunk of the cost. And it's a good, but if you got more than five members, you're, you're reaping the benefits there. If you want your entire club to participate and there are, I think there are nine clubs now on club memberships all over the country. So uh, it's, it's very popular right now. And you can go on our website, go to the join page and you can sign up there. And again, individual membership lasts for a year club membership lasts for a year it's a subscription basis, so it's not, you know, January to January. It's when you paid to when you paid. Uh, so you get a full 365 days part of your membership. So, yeah, that's our that's our three tiers. Yeah, and then, you know, for everyone out there, the, the way that it works, once you sign up, 
you're given access to a portal to go and upload your score sheets. And then somebody on the team, which if we're honest, is usually either Matt Harold or Michael Rensing going Mike through Rensing. and yeah. validating those score sheets, building those dashboards. Um, it is a startup. So there's a ton of, of manual work that goes into making a lot of this stuff happen. But there's so much room to grow and develop in it. I mean, I was just counting it up. If you count from novice all the way through Supreme Master of Brewing, there's 12 different ranks that you can achieve in brewing. And there's 14 of these special awards that we talked about. Um, things like 10 beers, 43 or higher that are American or, you know, 10 beers over 43 that are German, Austrian and so forth. Like, yeah. 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 There's, there's a lot of these really fun ones that you can. Some, somebody on this call has a Browmaster badge, I believe. Oh yeah. I think he has a Casper <laughs> that's too. 10. That's 10. <laughs> that's 10 German styles of 43 or higher. That's unbelievable. I, I was, I was super proud of that one. Yeah. And, and English as well. So congratulations there. Thank you. But I, I do have I really a giant goose egg in the Belgian beers. Like I have zero I'm, qualifying. I'm very, very close with Bel. You know, I, that's my specialty and I'm very yeah. close with the Belgian style. So well, I'm, I'm tempted to target that Jack of all trades, but that's a tough one, but uh, at least you don't have to get 43s and everything. Yeah. Yeah, we, we recognized Master Mead was probably too easy very early on because everybody was hitting it, right? So we made it a little bit tougher this year. But uh, I have a Master Mead, and I used to hate Mead, but now I kind of like it. So, yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun to go after those specialty badges, and and particular if you want to if you want to be noted as you know Andy Andy loves lagers, right? And German beers, so it's good that he's uh, he's been now noted. No, <clears throat> he's now known as an expert in that style. I'm not gonna lie. I was I was happy for them, but I was really mad at Stephanie Butler for getting the Lord of Lager. Lord of Lagers, yeah. Because <laughs> like I've been sitting at nine for like two years, and it's yeah. more than a little frustrating. I, I will get that one. Butlers are close on a lot of stuff. You know, they're gonna they're gonna kill our coffers with their uh, progress. You know? <laughs> but that's that's kind of what we want, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the third level of awards that you can get is actually just stars, bronze, silver, and gold for different accomplishments. Some of the ones like bronze will be best of show at a competition, less than 500 entries, uh, top five in, uh, sorry, top three in a homebrew circuit, stuff like that. Silver is going to be, you know, obviously harder than that. If you get a 50 score sheet, if you enter a hundred competitions, uh, if you get gold at NHC finals, you know, major accomplishments to be super proud of. Winning a circuit gets you one of those guys. But then, I mean, gold, I think we only have like two or three people that have won gold. Three, no, three gold people stars. gold stars. Yeah. yeah. It's hard I mean, to get a gold star. It's ridiculous. It's like best of show at Blue Bonnet, best of show at NHC, 500 competitions entered. <laughs> or the one that is just like mind-blowing to me that Bill did this last year, getting at least one medal in every one of the circuit of America's competition, yeah, which ridiculous. was what 28 competitions last year. That's ridiculous. And he medaled to, in every single one of them to be able to not strike out in any competition yeah. on the circuit. That is bill has 31 bronze stars. That's ridiculous. 31. I mean, that's like 31 best of shows type type of achievements. You know, mm -hmm. Bill's an unbelievable brewer and a great friend. He's our vice president on the MHP. So yeah, these are the type of people that, you know, you can go to Bill and ask anything. Uh, oh yeah, that's that's what I, very Bill, open. Bill, Bill Bill gave away his cider secrets, right? Go look at the results of Snafu. Look <laughs> at the ciders. You've got Bill, Bill, Dan Atchison, and Carl Tichy, right? Honorable mention. 
they are all Bill's recipe that he just gave out on Dr. Homebrew. So, you know, yeah. this is the type of stuff that I'm talking about is that we're going to elevate the game of everybody. You're going to have to get really good to, to, to meddle at these competitions because we're about elevating everybody's brewing. And I, I, I couldn't think, you know, if you watch me brews, that's what I'm all about. And this just supports that as well. So it's fun to watch. It's really funny to see. And they call that, I think, Bill's super secret cider recipe or something like that. So yeah, you knew it was Bill's it. recipe. I love it. But, but I mean, to, your, to your point, that's that's one of the other things that's really fun about the hobby. Like, yeah, we're hyper competitive, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to help you. Um, if, yeah. if John reaches out to me and he's like, hey, man, I really want to try whatever, uh, a Berliner Weiss. Do you have any advice? Yeah, sure, man. Let's let's spend 15 minutes, 20 minutes talking about it and we'll develop something together or bill going full open kimono and he's like yeah man here's my entire recipe and process and all that kind of stuff but i dare you to beat me like yeah you brought it up dan and carl made the same recipe and still lost to him so like there is an element of process that goes into it that that you can't but yeah but but it really says a lot to i think that's excellent that you know he shares his recipe all top four places insider goes to, to Bill Boyer's recipe. Somebody's going to iterate from that and move on. And mm-hmm. it just makes the entire process improve. It's continuous improvement. And as these people start going pro, we start getting better pro brewers out there too. Right. And I, that's what I'm excited to see is, is the next generation of guys that go pro that were a part of this program and to see how we've helped them to become better. And I'm, I'm just waiting for that to happen. You know, I know it's going to happen because some of these guys are just too good not to go pro. But, uh, you know, if somebody like Jeremiah Bear put out a, put out a, uh, or started a brewery, I'd be the first one at the door starting Heck to yeah. dry his beers. That guy wins in every style. God, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're almost at an hour on our conversation. I guess my last question, what's next? What's coming in MHP? What are you guys targeting for? changes improvements so on and so forth oh you know the answer to that we <laughs> the growth that we've had is it's been a big strain um we didn't expect it um, even with a board of directors we're struggling with keeping up with uh, i think we're averaging what 20 score sheets a day after a competition sometimes more i mean after a competition sometimes we get 100 and so Mike, Mike Rensing has to go through all that. So we were, we're trying to get to the level of automation there uh, through website development. Uh, another bottleneck we have is, you know, these are 3D printed badges that are hand painted and hand created by me. Um, the last badge order was 60 ranking badges and I think probably 150 stars. And, and they were all um, bills. Yeah, Bill Bill was 100 <laughs> of the 150. No, I'm joking. <laughs> But, but, you know, it took me three weeks to go through that. And it used to be fun and therapeutic to paint these things, but 60 badges was, it was, it was exhausting. And just looking at from the time we sent them in end of January to today, we already have 30 badges needed to be sent out. And it's, it's like, we got to do something. So we're looking at um, going to some enameled uh, metallic badges that are unbelievable. They are, I will just say that the design of these things, they're very attractive. So, and we're just working through how we're going to do that with our budget and stay on the positive side so that we don't have to increase um, people's membership rates. I think we're nearly there. We had a lot of discussion on this today. Um, and look, 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 look to us in the future and keep an eye on our, our either our Facebook page or 
our website for these new designs that are going to be rolling out. It, it'll probably be a phased approach. So we're going to, probably going to start with some specific ranks. And then as we build up our membership, uh, move on to building in other ranks that are more common within the program. We don't yeah, need I mean, a lot of legendary okay. master badges out there. So we'll probably no. be last, you know? I mean, I, I tell people all the time when they see the badges, they're like, dude, these things are, they're sick. I love them. I'm like, yeah, you can, you can literally see the time and effort that went into making this thing real. Um, me being on the other side of conversations with you, I'm like, yeah, Matt loves the program. He does a ton of work for it. And I mean, I listened to him cuss for like four days solid <laughs> about these freaking badges. So five, I mean, five layers of paint, of gold paint on each one. Just think, th- yeah. think through that. It's, it's that's what it takes. So spray and, I mean, paint's easy. Base coat's easy. It's the gold paint that's just a yeah. yeah. And I mean, full, full disclosure to everybody that's out there. I'm <laughs> I'm the director of awards for the MHP. So my job is to make Matt not pull his hair out when it comes to those awards like how do we create a sustainable model with some truly awesome awards that people can wear with pride and really like draw attention and credibility to the program but also like honestly drive some jealousy i want people to see these medals and be like damn i really need that lord of lager now that thing looks awesome yeah and like drive some of that stuff and I, like you said, man, we're so close in getting those those new ones done. I'm I'm really excited to debut those. Well, and I, uh, I'd even say, you know, MHP should maybe consider some optional upgrade for individuals. Like, I mean, depending on what the cost was, I wouldn't mind paying to upgrade my badge. Yeah, we will have that the new option. Version and just yeah, just I'll I'll pay the ten fifteen bucks whatever it is, and I'd, I'd love the nicer version. So I think the the model we're we haven't landed it yet. But I think it, for any new rank ups, if the badge is already, if the molds are already created, you'll get a new badge. Um, but if you're in a static position, you can order a metallic badge for an additional cost. But any new member in any rank up would get would move on to the next uh, design, the 2.0 badge design. So, yeah, and then the, I, the 1.0s are cool too. I really like. Oh those. yeah, they are. Yeah. yeah, but like I mean, to John's point, there there's a lot of people that are at these points or at these ranks that are you're going to be there for a while. So maybe you do just want to do the straight up upgrade. Yeah. Um, there's also people that just might want to build a way to display their progress. And maybe you are out there like, you know, a, a grandmaster three or four or five. And you're like, I want one of every badge and yeah. I want to build some awesome progression shadow box or something like that to display in the brewery. Uh, one of the options that we're looking to do is, you know, set, let us know which ones you want and we'll fulfill that at that additional fee as well and i think everybody wins in those cases yeah you can we're right now you can order back badges if you want to um i don't encourage it because we're already strained but you can <laughs> um but that will be a feature as well so if you're a grandmaster five you can order any back badge that you want just as long as you you don't give them away <laughs> to people but if you want to put a grandmaster five on every shirt you own you can do that right um uh, we're also you know one of the things that i noticed was how do you display these things? I've seen them on hats. Yeah. I've seen them on shirts. I've seen them on anything, right? Um, but we now have a lanyard that Andy has found and uh, has our, our master umbra program across the the, uh, the the necktie part of it. And people are starting to, to get those distributed and they look really slick the, with the stars and the, and the badges on those and whatever, you know, homebrew con membership sticker, whatever you ended up putting at the end of the clip. It really is a great way to display the badge. So I think we've now landed on the preferred mechanism for how you display these things. John, you bought a lanyard yet? Not yet. Not yet. Right. I'll get one right. soon. 
Yeah, good. But yeah, we're working on some additional merch to um, to help everybody. We got some stickers out there. We got some patches in the work. Honestly, I'm just I, I love looking at pictures from competitions out there when you know you see random badges in the wild. And you're like, oh, that's awesome. I know that guy. Yeah, yeah. Our most prolific, I think, is uh, Mike and Stephanie Butler in the Zimmergy magazine from NHC yes. last year, holding up the Club of the Year award. And you can see Mike's Grandmaster badge on his shirt. So really cool to see that last year. So well, I would like to ask, what what competitions are y'all in next? What's your next competition you're entering, and uh, what are you planning for here in the next few weeks? I'm brewing specifically for Rendezvous right now. Okay, your uh, own competition. All right, home home competition. I got to have a good presence, and God willing, get a medal there. Okay, I, Andy, I what are, what are you fo- what are you focused on? Um, I have I'm in seven competitions right now. I think. Wow. So this this Saturday, Sweetheart's Revenge here in Loveland, Colorado, is uh, my new home club being put on. Direct impact of being on the Circuit of America. It's the largest version of Sweethearts that that's ever happened. So super mm-hmm. stoked about that. Uh, I don't have a lot in there. I think I have like six or seven that I did as all collaborative, uh, gypsy, nomad kind of brewing with uh, members in the club. Same day is Operation Fermentation. I have, I think, four in there. Um, got Blue Bonnet coming up that I have another handful in. Peak to Peak is another one here in Colorado that I'm in. And then Eight Seconds of Foam in Wyoming are the ones that I'm going after. Um, But I'm at a weird spot. Like, I'm sure both of you guys have heard me rant and lament about the status of my home brewery. So, like, I'm getting restless and making crap loads of cider and mead in my basement. And, like, (laughs) I like cider, but I'm never going to drink any of this mead. I'm going to taste it and be like, yeah, okay, that's fine. I'll wait a year and then I'll start entering that into competitions. But, like... That itch is there, and it's it's driving me nuts. I don't want I don't want Fritz to catch me or to surpass me. I should say, so I got to find something to enter. Yeah, yeah. Well, for me, uh, you know, I've got Opfram coming up this next weekend. I've got two meads in there, so I'm hopeful at least one of them will do well. And then Blue Bonnet is the next one uh, coming up in March. Not entered as prolifically as I have in past years, um, but always hopeful that I'll do well in Blue Bonnet. And then. Uh, the next two after that, Drunk Monk Challenge. Um, yeah. I did well in that last year. It's a low entry. It's a low individual cap, so it's very hard to meddle there. Everybody's got their best entries in there, and it filled fast. Um, they run a really good award ceremony. And then uh, Boot, what is it? The, the Boot Brew Fest out in Baton Rouge. I'm really excited about that. I'm I'm heavily entered in that, and I totally want to win a, a boot from them. If you get a gold medal, you get a custom boot. So those are my next four. And I typically try to enter one a month, you know, try to limit myself to one a month. And I don't, I haven't been entering like I have in few past few years. I only enter a handful in every competition. So it keeps me interested, keeps me active and keeps me, I try to stretch into those 43 styles that I haven't achieved yet. So um, help, hopefully it'll help me rank up here pretty in the future. Yeah, I got a few in Blue Bonnet. I've got a decent number in Op Firm. Looking forward to that next weekend. And uh, I am curious to see how it does. The uh, the mead that I just got best to show at the uh, Bataille in Louisiana was oh, yeah. my tech. It was my Texas mead for the oh, okay. Texas Mead Cup. Uh, All right, with a little uh, little barbecue spices in there. A barbecue spice mead. Yes. Wow. Do you, do you like it? Is it tasty? Well, obviously, if you got best of show, it's tasty. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was actually, um, I think it was my best entry at Op Firm. So I'm kind of curious how it does. Okay. And correct me if I'm wrong, John. That was your first ever best of show. 
Yeah, congratulations. Yes, yes, it was. So, uh, uh, I got an honorable mention at Op Firm a couple years ago, but never ne- so, never actually pulled off the uh, best of show. It's always surprising when you get best of show in it. You never expect it. You know? I, I forgot the awards were even happening. Uh, buddy and <laughs> Wesley texts me and he's like, Hey, did you see the Bataille results? And I was like, Oh, I didn't know they were today. And I, I was like, Anybody win that we know of? And he was like, Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, somebody you know won. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Well, don't include this, but I already know the results of all of Op Firm, and I'm not going to tell you oh, the dang I'm, thing. I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. What else? First being behind the scenes. So you know what I was doing before this? The least favorite part of competitive brewing. What do you think that is? Bottling. Yep. Bottled 24 beers from three different kegs. Just I hate bottling. This, so I hate bottling. I was trying so hard to recruit my older son um, to bottle for me. And I was like, I'll pay you like a dollar, two dollars a bottle. Like, let, let's negotiate. And he just looked at me. He's like, I know how much you hate that. I either need a lot more money than that, or I'm not doing it. I was like, damn it, kid. You know, you know, if somebody came up with a an easy way to to reliably bottle that prevented oxidation, that was easy to clean and sanitize, didn't take a freaking nightmare to have to sanitize every time, I would spend a couple, two, three hundred bucks on it if somebody had the technology no there. You know, there's things like I tap Boel, and it's it's I don't trust that. It's plastic, right? There's Right now, I use a counter pressure filler because it's the easiest to clean. It's but it takes me an hour to clean and sanitize it before I do it. You know, I fill a smoke fill a small keg with a cleaner, fill a, run it through the gas side, run it through the liquid side, and then do the same with star sand. It just takes me forever. If somebody mm-hmm. came up with a quick and easy, reliable way that had good shelf life beer, spend a lot of money on that. I would. So if you're listening, if you own Spike or Blickman or any of those companies mm-hmm. out there. You know, come up with something better, better than beer gun. Yeah, we have your target demographic right here. Yeah, I will pay it. I will definitely pay it. This is the least favorite thing to do when it comes to com- competing. Yeah, I completely agree. <clears throat> well, Matt, thanks for the time today, man. This was awesome. Always love catching up. Uh, for everybody that doesn't know, Matt runs not just the Master Homebrew program, but also a pretty amazing YouTube channel for all you data nerds out there that are trying to get better at brewing beer. Um, you want to spend two seconds to an elevator pitch on what mean brews is? Yeah. So mean brews is, it's a process that I've been using since 2006, believe it or not, um, to come up with my own beer recipes, to look at um, the recipes uh, that win awards and dissect them into categories and figure out what the averages are for each category. And uh, really evolved this a long, a long time uh, to where it is today and I'll be presenting at, uh, I was selected to present at HomebrewCon this year. So I'll be, present, be presenting on American Porter. And uh, this will be, if you're if you're a fan of Mean Brews, you really want to be there because I'll be serving the oldest winning recipe from 1985. Uh, one of the mid-year 2004 recipes that supposedly has won 15 medals. And then the Mean Brews recipe. So all three beers will be served of American Porter. And it is the largest it's data so set cool. that I've, that I've had so far, uh, 99 award-winning recipes I found uh, in different uh, from different sources. So really excited about HomebrewCon this year. Do come and, and visit my uh, my uh, course or session that I'm giving. I think you'll have a fun time learning about American Porter. But again, thanks thanks guys for having me on the show. Really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm sure we'll 
we'll we'll definitely whenever you need us or want us, we'll be happy to send you know some of our board members over. Some of our more colorful members, I think, would do really well. Carl or or even Bill would be great uh, guys to have on the show. I think in the future. So yeah, oh, we just no, need that... to reiterate to Bill that like the show isn't named after him just because he wins every <laughs> best of right. show. That's right. That's right. The Bill Boyer show. You, know, you can you can do a one-off show called the Bill Boyer show. Yeah. yeah. Thanks again for having well, me, guys. Thank you for coming on. We really appreciate your time and good luck at the uh, at HomebrewCon with your presentation and uh, good luck with those upcoming competitions. Thanks. You too. Well, hopefully, we'll both walk away with a stein from Blue Bonnet. That would be nice. Yeah, it would be. Oh yeah. All right, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Right, cheers. All right, now, before we wrap up the show, we definitely don't want to miss out on announcing the winners of some of these competitions that have taken place recently. It seems like the first big round has happened of those early competitions entries for this year. And I'll start out with a few of them here. Um, we'll go over the Bluegrass Cup, 271 total entry competition. The best to show beer winner is Ryan Harding of the Brewers of Central Kentucky with an old ale named Taste Old to Me. The badass of the bluegrass is Scott Steenberg with the Foam Blowers of Indiana winning three golds and one silver medal. And then on to the Dormus Cup, which is a meat-only competition. That one had 164 meat entries. And we're probably not surprised at all by the winner. <laughs> Best of show went to Bill Boyer, North Georgia Malt Monkeys, with his Melomel named the Legendary Black Beast of Ah. Hope I did that hey. justice. I hear that Bill guy's pretty good. Yeah, I've seen his name a time or two. Uh, the third one I had is the Homebrew Alley, 420 entry competition. So we're getting a little bigger here in competition size. This one had several winners. Best to show beer went to Paul Jones and Carl Weir of the Morris Area Society of Homebrewers with the Weiss beer named Consumption Smoothing. The Brewer's Choice Award went to Jamie and Cody Naramore of the KC Beer Meisters with an international dark lager named Persona Non Grata. And I'm assuming this is the heavy metal winner, but it's the most brewingest brewer. And that's Joe <laughs> Daly with one gold and two silvers. Nice. <clears throat> most brewingest yeah. brewer. Yeah, I got to love these uh, these fancy award names. Oh, just wait for offer. So I got two for you. Midwinter is a big competition on the Circuit of America. They do best of show for beer, mead, and cider. The winner for best of show beer was Drew Templeton out of the Iowa Brewers Union, which was a blonde, uh, Belgian blonde named Blonde Bellies Up. Best of show cider is Dan Atchison at the Urban Great Urban Knaves of Grain uh, with a new world cider called Bill Boyer's Super Secret Cider. I love that so much. And the best of show mead goes to Garrett Freeman with an experimental mead named the Hopped Lemon Mead. And if you guys don't know who Garrett Freeman is, he's actually a pretty uh, well-known YouTuber making mead out there. So awesome, dude. It's great to see him winning out there in the wild, if you will. The last one that I have is the Bataille de Beer. And I apologize. My French is atrocious. The best of show beer goes to Paul Pete at the Red Stick Brewmasters for his Belgian pale ale called the Pale Tourist. And the best to show mead is uh, my illustrious co-host, John Black, with the Barrier Mastermonts, with an experiment, experimental mead called Liquid Barbecue. So congratulations, man. That's Man, I awesome. know that guy. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So tell me about that mead. So that was, uh, it's actually kind of interesting. I entered this mead for Op Firm. That's what, that's what it was really created for. I took just a traditional mead, and Op Firm threw together a special category called a Texas mead. 
And so you can do the mead, anything that resembled Texas, whatever your thoughts were about Texas and what a Texas mead should taste like. So for me, Texas means barbecue. So I put together my own little special blend of some barbecue spices that I use in my rib rubs and just took that, took that straight traditional mead and created a, a little tincture of those barbecue spices and put it into the bottles. And what? That's amazing. I submitted that and I, I had, I, I went ahead and, and did a few extra bottles and the sample tasted really good. So I threw it into, uh, to the Bataille competition as well, thinking, well, get some feedback. You never know, see how it goes. Um. Uh, but the thing that made it experimental, besides just a spiced mead, was that I actually put a little uh, smoke in there, too. That um, I took some vodka, put it on the smoker, and infused mm. the vodka with smoke and put some of that in, you know, did the tincture in that smoked vodka. And so I had a little smoke, a little little spice. That's um, so cool. Everything you need for a good barbecue. That's amazing. Congratulations, man. And correct me if I'm wrong, that's your first best of show, right? Yes. First ever best of show. Wow. That's so cool. Pretty Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> thanks i appreciate it well on that note i guess that pretty much wraps up this week's show looking forward to we got a lot of new competitions coming up soon we've got op firm i'll be at this weekend and you'll be at sweethearts this weekend right that's right yeah so, the largest uh sweetheart homebrew competition or sweethearts revenge homebrew competition here in loveland colorado that they've ever had so super excited for it it's gonna be a good yeah. time <clears throat> well we'll try and get some good audio Put it out there for our next podcast for everybody. Uh, get a little feel for for what's happening at these in-person award ceremonies. Yeah. And thanks again, Matt Harold and the Master Homebrew Program. Uh, if you guys haven't checked them out, go to Master Homebrew, masterhomebrewprogram.com uh, and check them out. Sign up. Get your score sheets in and, and rank up. See if you can catch up with John and me. And uh, we'll catch you guys on the next one. All right. Cheers, y'all. This is one last night.